and welcome everyone to the Work Matters Podcast, where we discuss what matters about work and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Steve, what matters at work today? Mentors matter, Robert. You know, having somebody give you advice, kind of guide you through your career. Have you ever benefited from having a mentor? Yeah, this is such a hard question because I knew you were going to ask me this. I narrowed it down to just one, and that is Ken Hollick, CEO of Jobs to Web, who instituted a formal mentorship program really early in my career. And to be brief, uh, he really taught me the importance of three key things that I think made a huge impact. And that was the importance of listening and really working to understand what the other person is saying, the value of a formal process, and the value of making people feel heard. And those interactions, especially early in my 20s, made all the impact on me in the world. And I've used those going forward. I don't think I'd be here today without the kind of guidance that he provided. Yeah, no, that's a great story. I mean, for me with mentors, I don't know if I've ever had a formal mentorship. For me, it's more informal. A lot of times I had people that looking back were mentors. I didn't even realize they were mentors. I mean, I could have names of people, Brian Stern, Pete Olson, Joe Murphy, these guys I worked with early on. And for me, it was a lot of self-awareness. They made me aware of things early in my career, the same thing had benefited. And I think this concept of mentor, you hear it a lot, but I think there's people struggle, what exactly is it? But fortunately today, we have somebody who has dedicated a lot of their life to understanding what a mentor is, how to make more effective mentorship relationships. And that person is Chris Motley, the founder and CEO of Mentor Spaces. Chris, welcome to Work Matters. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. So, Chris, we always start this show with the same question, which is, why does this topic matter so much to you? How did you decide to focus on building solutions to help with mentorship? Why it matters to me is I wouldn't be where I am at this point in my life had it not been for actually a very serendipitous conversation with someone who was a trader um, at Goldman Sachs. And at the time, I was in my late teens and knew nothing about uh, Wall Street, let alone specific functional sort of areas I can work in. And not only did this person sort of open up that sort of career path for me, but pretty much every decision I made over the subsequent years in terms of where I decided to go to college and what I majored in, which electives I should take so that I can be a, a good trader. I mean, this person uh, exposed me to all of that and and probably the other thing that's that's key to it is exposed me to his network, um, which sort of amplified all the things that I was doing. And on the second part of your question of, you know, why build a business around this? I think that I'm naturally an entrepreneur. I've always, um, you know, made observations, get pissed about something and then try to solve problems uh, and doing it at various levels of scale. And when I was sort of going through my career journey, Uh, I thought to myself, man, wouldn't it be cool to sort of build a business that can give people the same exact experience that I have? Uh, And and that part's a longer story, but but that's why why I do it. Wow. That's, it's funny when you're talking about sort of the pissed off and solve problems. It reminds me of one, somebody asked me why I write books and I'm like, my muses are anger and arrogance. Anger <laughs> that people don't understand the right way to think about things and arrogance that I do. <laughs> but so I, I like relate. how you framed them as your muses. That's good. Yeah, my muses. But yeah, so, so and you, 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 there were 
two aspects of mentors that you mentioned too, one sort of knowledge of understanding the field, but also the relationships and the role that they play um, that, that I think mentors do have such a big impact on and often we don't realize it. Was that first a formal mentorship? Was that first person, was that, were they assigned to be your mentor? No, it was, it was actually very informal. Um, and, you know, what I like to think about when I think about mentorship um, as a whole is that it's really someone with the lived experience um, that someone else will value for the other person's benefit. And so this individual and I shared an affinity to a nonprofit that we were both uh, a part of. And so that was the point of connection. But then when you start getting into conversations and learning what people do and you talk to people about your interest, uh, it's, it st starts to open up into a whole sort of realm of possibility. So very informal uh, and it just sort of built, built on itself over time. Can we talk about the definition of a mentor for a second? What does it mean to be a mentor? Who can be a mentor? Yeah, so anybody can be a mentor. Our view at Mentor Spaces is that everyone is a mentor because everyone has a lived experience that presumably someone else would value. And also everyone needs mentorship because presumably we all have goals that we're trying to accomplish. And my view is you can read all the books you want and that stuff is important, but until you actually know someone who has that lived experience, uh, you won't be as competitive or the probability of you achieving that goal won't be as high. Uh, so, so we keep it you know, very focused on um, that lived experience. And to go a step further, when you think about sort of you know, what is that unit of measure of mentorship, it really just boils down to what we're having right now, which is a conversation. Uh, and so from a, from a company perspective and a business perspective, the job of technology, if your goal is to scale mentorship, is to effectively scale conversations where people can share their lived experiences with others who would value it. Yeah, I think that is just fascinating because sometimes you talk about these things and it seems obvious, but I, I really like your specific definition. It is someone with a lived experience and the unit of measurement is conversations that add value. 100%. It sounds simple now, but it took a long time to get to that definition. <laughs> it is such a powerful one, though, too, because it makes the concept of mentorship, as you said, more accessible, which is it's finding people that have had experiences that through sharing those experiences with you, you can better understand and navigate your own path. You know, there's that famous saying about experience is a lousy teacher because it teaches the lesson after you need to know it. You know, but like this is a way to say, well, hey, there's other people that have had these experiences. So maybe you don't have to live through something yourself to gain through learning from other people's lived experiences, which is a is a great way to think about mentorship. What are some of the common misconceptions about mentorship? So I think some of them are um, sort of what we mentioned earlier, which is it doesn't have to be a formal sort of arrangement. And it's not saying that formality in a mentorship uh, relationship couldn't add value, but it does restrict the folks who can access that. Um, in our work, we know, for example, that the biggest pain points uh, among underrepresented uh, students and professionals trying to enter into the workforce is a lack of confidence. And, and in addition to that, it's a, a lack of social capital, which I define as the advantage you get by virtue of who you know and how you know them. Uh, and so when we, when we think about sort of mentorship and, and not being sort of regimented and it's a formal thing and it's this hierarchical sort of relationship, 
um, it really makes it more accessible. Uh, I think other misconceptions is that the mentor has to give, give, give. <laughs> and what really uh, the role or the persona of a mentor is, is really that of a leader. And what I found, and this happens all the time, uh, I eat my own dog food, I um, use mentor spaces to mentor other people and to be mentored, uh, is that when I'm playing the role of a mentor for someone and the questions that come in the conversation, it actually forces reflection and in a way that you just can't conjure up yourself. At least I haven't figured that out. But when these young people ask questions it, and I haven't thought about things for years, in some cases, uh, it really makes me more appreciative of the journey that I've had and that someone found, finds you know value in that. Yeah, I think as you're talking, there's a sort of reflecting my own experience where I've had mentors and I've been mentors to people. I didn't realize it, but afterwards they told me, you were a mentor to me. And I was like, really? I just <laughs> thought we were working together. Yeah. Uh, but when you talked on this, particularly this lack of social capital and the lack of confidence, that made me think of some things that people that I that told me I was their mentor said, which they said, you basically believed I could do something and you introduced me to people so that I could do it. You know, and, and to me, I think your point about it, it's not about give, give, give. When I was looking back on that, I wasn't doing this, to be honest, I wasn't doing it to help them per se. I wasn't trying to hurt them. I was doing it because I was trying to accomplish something. And I'm like, yeah. I don't have time to do this. I think you can do it. Go talk to these people. <laughs> yeah. I've been the is, beneficiary is... of that, Steve. <laughs> or maybe the victim <laughs> at times. <laughs> but but I, I like that. Um that idea of, of as a mentor, this idea that you're that just that, that, that sense of giving people confidence and also giving them people connection and realizing that that is not equally distributed. What was there's a famous saying about this, that um, potential is equally distributed across society, opportunity is not. Right. Um, so I, I think that's really powerful as mentors, a way to address that. You did say one thing that I want to probe a little bit. You talked about when you mentor often to younger people, but I would question and get your thoughts on this. I think that's a common misconception though, because going back to lived experience, lived experience is not about how old you are. It's about the experiences you've lived. I have 100%. learned from people that it's regardless of the age, if they've done things you haven't done, you can learn from them. Yeah, 100%. So in my context, when I made that statement is, uh, we primarily focus on the market of students uh, and early career professionals entering the workforce. So because it's my day job, it tends to be, uh, I get market insights from the, from the individuals we try to serve, but you're 100% correct. And, and you know, in rock climbing, uh, you know, you're, climbing, you're climbing a mountain, someone's ahead of you. You don't really care who's on the top of the mountain already. You don't really care who's behind you. You just care about that person you can see six feet ahead. And, and that's kind of how we think about mentorship and practice and that, you know, when I was a first year analyst at Goldman Sachs, no, I was not a professional sort of experienced trader, but I was an expert in getting that job. And a senior who wanted to break into Wall Street or that particular firm would get probably more value um, uh, from me in that context than talking to someone who was a seasoned veteran. Um, one other thing I, I think that just triggered me a little bit is that when I interned um, at, at the firm, I talked to first-year analysts a lot. And I would, I would get really good at asking them questions. And every kind of interaction you have, you get better at asking questions. And what a magical thing happened. Eventually, I'll meet uh, 
an associate. Then eventually I would meet a vice president. Eventually I'll meet a managing director. Eventually I would meet a partner. And the, the, the quality of a question you can ask those individuals as you go up in seniority is just enormous, right? And so you, and you start building relationships with people across an organization, which can turn into, again, deeper networks, increased confidence, more responsibility and opportunity, which I certainly benefited from over the years. How do you find a good mentor? And how do you go about asking someone to become one? Yeah, that's the reason why we built mentor spaces. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard. That's that's the opportunity. I mean, someone could presumably go on LinkedIn and search for terms that uh, they're interested in and find a person and email them and all of that. And I don't know about you, but I very rarely check emails because um, everybody's trying to sell me something. Uh, but the point is, is that uh, it's really hard to go about finding those people. And, and that's where we see the opportunity. Um, what we know from a business perspective is that there are established ecosystems of people who have lived experiences that one would value. So for example, let's think about all the alum of a particular university relative to the students who attend that university or you know, nonprofit organizations that probably have um, programming that's about upskilling or career development, but really don't have a way to sort of facilitate conversations. So from our perspective, we're like, well, technology is, that's what technology does. Technology can take massive data sets and help facilitate connection. And if you build it in the right way, um, that sort of meets people where they are and you activate that technology in these existing communities and ecosystems, voila, you make it very easy to find people with the lived experience that um, one could benefit from having a conversation with. Now, going back to the earlier point of everyone's a mentor and everyone's a mentee, or everyone needs mentorship and people um, uh, uh, can benefit from it. When you combine those things together and you think about mentorship almost like a practice, um, not sort of relegated to the role of a mentee or mentor, but just the practice of mentorship, you create a real strong community sort of environment and narrative where everyone is giving and receiving mentorship and growing at the same time. Uh, so build technology, you put it in an existing ecosystem, but you make the technology flexible that if someone wants to present and be mentored or give mentorship, uh, they can accomplish that goal. So I do like that. But Chris, what about for those listeners who, who don't have access to that kind of technology? Is there a way that you would go about approaching people who yeah. really need to see those lived experiences from? Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of showing up. Right. So I'll give a very simple example. I was, uh, when I was in college, I'm walking back from the gym. I think I play basketball every single day. That was my thing. It was my outlet. And I'm walking back from the gym to my dorm and I'm seeing um, people with very fancy clothes walk into this auditorium. And they seem to be pretty important. You could just tell by their dress. And I said, I wonder what's going on here. And I quickly run to my dorm. I changed so that I didn't look <laughs> too different from the <laughs> folks going into this, this auditorium. And I, I ran into the auditorium. And then I found someone who just looked approachable. And, um, and I knew the context because it was a sign about what the talk was going to be about. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was something along the lines of you know financial trends in the market or something like that. And I found someone who just looked approachable and I said, you know, hello, I'm, my, my name is Chris Motley. It's nice to meet you. And I said, well, you know, what brings you here? 
And uh, and he went on to explain why he was there. And I said, what do you do? And then he went on to explain what he did and said, you know, after this is over, I would love to pick your brain because it's something I want to learn more about. Um, that that does take a level of confidence. It that does is take amazing. A level of, of, of putting yourself in these in these situations. Yeah. But that's how you do it is, is the point. Oh, I love that. And, and you're right. That does take a level of confidence. I'm not sure everybody always has the extroversion or the confidence to go out and just snatch some random person up and ask them for advice and, and to follow up afterwards. But that the is context an is incredible important. story. You know, I appreciate that. The context is important. And I think everyone is in, in some environment, whether it be a church or a school or a rec league, that that yeah. helps to establish shared connection and context. You just have to have a willingness to go beyond what that context is. I'm playing, I used to play basketball with guys, as I mentioned, and you know when someone's new and you sort of pay attention to the cues and you're like, oh, well, you don't go to school here. Well, where do you do? <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's just, yeah. you know, I think the willingness to ask those questions in that sort of shared moment of context is, is part of how you can find people who can be helpful. Sometimes too, you may already be in a relationship with somebody that could serve as an excellent mentor that what's missing is the question. You know what I mean? And so I'll just, I'll give a a quick example. I've done a lot of what I call mutual mentorship in my career. I know some stuff and uh, you know some stuff and what we know doesn't overlap yet. And so as an example, a few years ago, I asked Nivedita Kesavan if she would serve as a mutual mentor with me. And so she taught me what she knew about business case building. And I taught her what I knew in recruiting. And we literally alternated weeks. So an hour a I week, love it. I'd teach her. And then the next week, she'd teach me for an hour. And we just went back and forth until we had exhausted <laughs> right? what, awesome. uh, what we needed to know. And so, uh, you know, same thing that you mentioned, you got to put yourself out there. And it took, it took asking. But in that instance, I didn't have to approach a stranger, right? It was somebody that we had a, a mutual amount of respect for. Steve, I think our relationship is a lot like this as well. Yeah, yeah I think well, that the, the point that you're making is that it is about finding somebody who has a lived experience that you can learn from and setting up some cadence of conversation with them to be able to listen and learn and ask those questions. Yeah. And I think probably the, the challenge often is people like, for the most part, talking about their experiences. They like educating other people. Um, sharing and being helpful, but people do tend to have sort of a transactional, why are you asking? Why are you talking to me? What are you trying to sell me? And at that point about that, if I am in a, in a career and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to find a mentor. And I think I found a person that maybe I don't know him really well. Maybe they're a senior in my company. What's a way to approach them so that they understand the sincerity of, I'm just looking to learn from you. I'm not looking to take a lot of your time as opposed to I'm looking to climb the next rung of the ladder or sell you something. Is there is there a, a something you should or should not do to start that conversation on the right foot? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And I only can share my own lived experience. So so the way that I approached it is, um, you know, recognize the the unique thing to you, which is your own story. And you're right, people will be caught off guard if you approach it in a certain way. And the, and the reason is because they don't understand the why behind why you're asking the question in the first place. And so someone told me a long time ago, you know, Chris, the only thing that you really have that's yours is your story. 
And you need to get really good at telling your story, what you care about, why you care about it, what are you trying to do? And if you're very sincere and you're very authentic, which you only can be if it's your story, people then invite themselves to be a character in your story. So I wouldn't necessarily approach someone like in a very transactional way, but I will figure out a way to get into small talk and then I will figure out a way to share aspects of my story before some part of the, the ask uh, mm-hmm. is made. Um, and I think it's helpful in so many sort of, in so many ways, because even when it comes to someone saying, hey, I trust this person, you know, there's a person you should talk to that I think, you know, you really hit it off with, right? Because you don't know other people's lived experiences, right? At the start mm-hmm. of time. The only thing you know at the start of time is your story. And if that person's interested in sharing their story with you, they will pick up on something you you say either directly that can help catalyze that conversation or serve as an ingredient uh, to facilitate a conversation with someone else. That's probably something too that you could work on is finding a succinct way to tell that story and start that narrative um, to, to start that conversation. As you're talking, I'm thinking about how many movies I've seen where the character is not just sharing their candid lived experience. You're like, just tell them the truth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so much about this is 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 just being authentic about you know, and that point about being authentic about saying, hey, I'm this person in my career. This is where I'm going. You seem like a person I could learn from. And the more you're authentic, but show, I think it's important to show you have potential and care too. Once you once you get that first conversation going, then you talked earlier about how you went up to different mentors, you had different questions. What are good questions to start with? So, yeah, sure, I'll meet with you. I'll share this. What What are good questions to start with if you're first starting kind of that mentor relationship? Well, well, one, I think something you said earlier uh, is really important to note, Steve, and that is people love talking about themselves. So first, know that that is facts. People love talking about themselves. So all the questions that one would come up with should lead to someone talking about themselves. And which means if you think about that as a criteria or, you know, or as a proxy to get to good questions, it becomes very easy to come up with questions. Oh, how did you get to this point in your career? Uh, What made you want to do that thing that you're doing? And the second most important thing is just to shut up after that. (laughs) Sometimes people get nervous, they drone on and drone on. It's like, no, no, no. People want to talk about themselves. That's the point ask them one thing and you'll be amazed. My friends will laugh if they heard this because they've been in these situations with me and they'll ask a question and I just, about things I care about and I'll just go, right? And as you get more mature and all of that, you learn to pause and ask follow-ups and listen and all of that. But people love to talk about um, uh, what they do, especially if it's something they're very passionate about. I love that. That is advice. I have a shy child and that is advice that I give him continuously. If, if you don't know how to talk to someone, it is a very simple rule to apply. Simply ask them questions about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably too, in that the, it'd be okay to say to somebody, you know, I'm looking to learn from you. And if you haven't done it before to say, I'm, this is new to me too. I've never really set up a mentor relationship before. So I'm learning as well. Ask the person, you know, if you, if you, if you set the objective and maybe that's the next question, is there, and this kind of gets into the formality of mentorships. Cause I said, for me, a lot of the people that were mentors and respect, 
I don't think they ever realized as mentors, but I looked back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that person gave me advice because they care about me enough to be authentic with me. Then I was like, that was really useful. Um, the, what, what, when you sit down to set the objectives of a mentorship, like getting to the formality where maybe this is a little more formal, like you're reaching out to some person senior in your company or some person in your field and, or it could be a professor or whatever, where you say, I really want to benefit from learning from you in ways that will help me advance my own career. When you sit down, is there some sort of like good to have some sort of criteria about this is what I expect us to do, like how much time we'll spend or how will we know when this mentorship was successful or unsuccessful? Are there any sort of guidelines if you want to add a little more formality to it? Well, my natural response to that is don't make it formal because it's limiting. And in going back to what I mentioned earlier is that, you know, part of this is the art of people inviting themselves into your story, inviting themselves into your narrative. So if someone is doing that and presumably they have something of value to share, the last thing you want to do is put up barriers uh, that can constrain the relationship. I do think that in organizations such as companies or schools or what have you, they may have established programs where uh, there's an administrator and there are expectations that are communicated that people agree to, to be part of said mentorship program. And that's all fine and good. But when it's something you're trying to do organically and you're basically building your personal board of directors in a, in a, in a sense, um, you don't want to constrain it with formality because some people are just say, you know, feel free to call me anytime, but they set that expectation. <laughs> you can't set the expectation on someone who's giving you the value, right? Uh, so, so well, I guess you can, but I, I don't take that perspective um, because ultimately, I think going to another question you asked earlier about misconceptions is that it has to be one person. Uh, presumably people are trying to accomplish all sorts of goals simultaneously. And that means there are different people um, you should be speaking with in different conversations you would wanna have. And um, it's almost like having an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. Um, and there are so many people who can be helpful. And for me, whether I had one conversation with the person who exposed me to Wall Street or I've lost count of the conversations we had in those early days, the first one was equally transformational because I knew a career path that I can pursue. And I started to get introduced to the language of what that career path was. And that sort of armored me with uh, you know, tools to have other conversations with other people who um, could be equally supportive in that, in that objective. Yeah, I, I really like that point about letting the mentor to some degree set the rules of like, call me anytime, or if they don't say call me anytime, don't call them anytime. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe you just have to set some minimum, like say, say a minimum bar, like all I'm really looking for is we could talk for 30 minutes once every three months or something to start it, yeah. but then let it go from wherever. Yeah, and my approach may be slightly different. Um, and this is, it does, this thing, this gets, this is a skill you develop over time. And I tend to frame things as a question um, versus say what I want. So for example, would it be okay if I call you next month um, to pick up on some of the suggestions you made in this conversation? And something that I think happens between people, especially when let's say someone playing the mentor role knows they have something of value to share, 
what's unsaid, I think, is they want to know that it's worth spending their time with you. And what tends to happen is they give homework. Um, and it, it may not come out as clearly as that, but they may say, you know, a good book that I read, which is a great question to ask a mentor, like what, what book has really shaped you and, and guided you along your path? And what that basically, the answer to that question could be, you know, X, Y, or Z, but that's giving you an insight into how that person thinks and what they value. So when you ask the question of, would it be okay to, to speak, call you next month and can we get something in the calendar to follow up on the things we talked about? You better believe if I'm in that situation, I've read that book three times and I probably have messaged that person before our schedule call to say, oh my God, this book is amazing. It spurred a lot of thoughts. Looking forward to the conversation we're going to have next month um, to talk further. What happens is the transfer of energy, right? That mentor has, has shared something with you. Um, you have acknowledged that it was super valuable. That mentor feels great. And we call it internally that mentor high, right? Eventually, that mentor gets addicted to that, that type of thing. And they're looking forward to the conversation just as much as you might be. Right. And the point is, is to keep up that momentum. And if, and if it stops, that's fine um, as well. But, but that's sort of the things that go through my mind to this very day, right, with my mentors and, and, and who I rely on to help grow um, my company. What you've shown, I mean, is that concept of active listening, going back to people like to talk about themselves, assuming people are listening. People really don't like to talk about themselves and that people ignore them. One hundred percent. It's the act of it's the act of listening. It's also the vulnerability, um, and it's also empathy, and uh, and really, really, as you as one sort of pursues this sort of goal to create a mentorship network, if you will, um, really being thoughtful about you know what that other person's thinking and, and what their lived experiences may be. Chris, context seems to matter a lot because we've gone back and forth a bit on is it formal. Is it informal? And, and companies may be more formal, personal relationships may be more informal, but not always, right? Those rules are, are broken as well because they're, they're not rules. So I'm wondering, how does culture come into this? I know you're really passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion to talk about how culture may change the equation, access to mentorship, and, and advice for people who want to be a great mentee and, and how to go about it. There's a couple of things you said there. So one, I'm just passionate about helping people. And I'm extremely passionate about helping people who have a shared background as me. And they people have put these you know, monikers of DEI <laughs> to it, uh, which is good because it gives you focus. Um, but from the, the cultural component that's super important is that people need to see themselves reflected in success. And so for us in building mentorship technology to, to help our customers and our, our member community, we know, going back to how we started this part of the conversation, uh, if the pain point is the lack of confidence and the lack of social capital, the fastest way to make a positive dent in the right direction is to connect people with someone who looks like them. And, and why is that important? Language. You know, going back to my Wall Street days, we used to say all the time, you know, the biggest barrier to entry in Wall Street is language, right? It's true in almost every field, certainly, you know, uh, the medical field. Um, so if you see someone who is successful and where you want to be and um, they look like you, um, there's a way and sort of a tone of conversation that takes place 
that basically gets to understanding a lot faster. It wasn't, you know, the individual I met um, uh, who I referred to earlier, you know, he's a Mexican guy who worked at, at, at Wall Street, uh, worked at Goldman Sachs on Wall Street. And he came from a community that I was very, very familiar with. So the way that he described his job, the way that he described the industry was in a way that I could understand. Um, you do this enough times, you start to then learn the language of the industry um, that, that allows you to advance. There's two things that, as a psychologist that you touched on. One is a concept of what's called possible self, which I've talked about in this show before, which is we grow up with images of who we might become. And it is heavily influenced by seeing people that demographically we could imagine being. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that that connection, but the other one is the confidence one, which is people don't realize how, how lucky we are if we grew up in an environment where there were people that we respected that believed in our capability. Yeah. And there's huge differences in communities having to do with socioeconomics and all sorts of things mm -hmm. like that. And that point that you said about, and I can think about it in my, with my wife, who's a, a doctor, is a Puerto Rican doctor, and some of the work that she's done where her influence as a mentor has been just her belief <laughs> in the person. And yeah. I've seen that. I don't think she would articulate this way. And hopefully I don't get in trouble for bringing her on mm -hmm. the show. <laughs> but I've seen in the interactions that I think people don't realize the power. If you have an opportunity to be a mentor, just that simple. Yeah. I'm interested in you. And yeah, I believe in you and how much that can absolutely change a person's life. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I also think it it goes to the misconceptions that it doesn't have to be this very heavy thing. Sometimes it's just being available and saying that you believe in someone, right? And and some people that's that's all they need to get them to the next step, right? And and and, and you just stack those steps on top of each other, and all of a sudden you made a lot of progress. Wow, wow. Well, I think this is a great place probably to end this conversation, Chris, although I want, I hope it's the second conversation because Robert and I, the last question we have, and we don't have time for it is the advice for mentors and, and how to be an effective mentor. So if you're open to it, I hope we can bring you back and talk more about if somebody approaches you, how do you be an effective mentor? But I have learned so much from this conversation and thank you so much for appearing on Work Matters. Well, this has been fun guys. Thank you so much. Wow. Robert, I, so many things came out of that conversation with Chris. It's interesting to have a conversation about mentors being the powerful of learning from people's learned experiences with a person whose learned experiences are largely about mentorship. It was just <laughs> so many insights and ahas on so many ways. And I, I think the thing that I really liked about him was his focus on it doesn't be a formal thing. And actually, the formality often gets in the way. That I thought was a really good point. Yeah, I did find that very interesting too, you know, especially because in a lot of ways, some of the examples that I continuously come back to have been really formal relationships. And I guess they didn't start that way. It, you know what I mean? But they became that. They evolved into a formal mentorship relationship that I benefited a lot from. But he is right. If I think back to other cases, you know, where I, I benefited immensely from somebody else's lived experiences, if you define it that way, I start to come up with a lot more mentors in my life. Yeah. And I think that's the takeaway that I have for listeners out there, aside from all the different tips, but the most broadly one is think to yourself, 
One, as a mentee, what are the relationships that you have right now? You should have relationships with people out there where you do just learn from them. You ask them questions and you have that sort of willingness to be vulnerable and say, you know, here's what I'm wrestling with. What, what have you learned that you could contribute to this, that a person... So find those people that are out there. And if you don't, really challenge yourself to make that connection. And it's not yeah. just one. It can be multiple. And on the flip side, we've all had learned experiences we can share with others. They always say, pay it forward. Do it for other people. If somebody asks to talk with you, reaches out to you, say yes. If it doesn't go well, don't say yes the second time. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe do anyway. <laughs> maybe do anyway. But say, you know, the be... We, we learn from each other and yeah. you know, somebody, I mean, that's probably really thinking about what are the relationships I have where the purpose of this relationship is about learning, confidence, insight. And that's a valuable thing. I think we well, and, just think about it. Yeah. And when I think back to some of the best things I've done in my life, oftentimes I do think back to the people I mentored, you know, and, and so for the mentors out there, you, you almost always get as much as you give in these kind of relationships. And, and I, I would just add, Steve, to that, put yourself out there. This silly Nike quote comes to mind, just do it. You know, you just have to ask. You got to become vulnerable for a minute and, and approach someone. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to get mad at you if you say, hey, I think you're a person I could learn something from. They're not going to be right. like, oh, <laughs> they, <laughs> you're they, amazing. How dare you say I'm amazing? Yeah. At yeah. the very worst, they may not have time. That's the worst yes. that could happen. But, but probably you'll find that more often not that they will make time for that. Well, wow. Another great show. Thank you very much to our guest, Chris Motley of Mentor Spaces, who we learned a ton from today. Thanks to the Open SAP team for supporting this free, accessible education for the masses. Thank you to Ravi Etcheverria for editing, scheduling, and being a one-person army for this podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a quick rating, maybe a quick like. It helps other people find this show. We'll be sure to get you more information in our show notes. So if you are looking for more from Chris, myself, Robert Richardson, or the ever-prolific Dr. Steve Hunt, whose new book, Talent Tectonics, is available for pre-order coming September 7th. 2022. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you all. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast because what matters? Well, today, mentorship matters. Work matters. Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters Podcast.